Welcome to Centering, the podcast on Asian American Christianity, a conversation centering Christ and Asian American perspectives, featuring Daniel Lee, theology and ministry professor at Fuller Seminary. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of Centering the Podcast on Asian American Christianity. I'm your host, Kevin Doy. Last week in episode five, we talked about how do we fix the Asian American church and uh, asking the big questions. And one of the central issues, I think, for the Asian American church is how do we deal with family? And Daniel, uh, we have Daniel Lee here, professor of Asian American theology and ministry at Fuller Seminary. Daniel, I've heard you say a million times that typically when we take a systematic theology class or courses in seminary, a theology of family or family life is absent from almost every curriculum, and yet it's so central to Asian American life. So what, what do you make of this? This is what I say. It's possible to graduate with an MDiv, or you know, a lot of pastors, right? A lot of pastors who are trained in America. You can graduate from a whole, get a head of a whole master's degree and not actually learn anything about family. That family isn't really considered by many people as a theological category. And the problem is, when you go to Asian American churches, you need this category. You need to figure out what to do with it. Now, it's, not, it's actually not just Western tradition, because Catholic churches, Catholic tradition emphasizes family, because the Holy Family, family was always important there. But not Protestants, because we have so much individualism in there, right? This is basically what I find weird. The Bible talks a lot about families, but the theology books don't, and the theological education lacks it. So the question is, well, it's a cultural thing. We've developed in a particular way. We thought these were the important things in the Bible, and we took out family. Mm. And now we're suffering. And what, what I keep on saying is that in an Asian-American context, we need these resources that we don't have it. And we can always blame ourselves and say, something's wrong with us. Mm. What's wrong with us? Disciple resources don't work. But in fact, these resources weren't de- developed for us. Mm. They were developed for a different context. Mm. I know you pointed out and actually taken some books off your shelf and, and shown how there might be in a uh, table of contents the topic of marriage, but not of parenting. Um, or even in our discipleship materials or curriculum, like it's just absent. Yeah, let's think about that. I mean, just the fact that you might take, well, you know, go to your shelf and find some books on discipleship on Christian life or whatever and see if... If family life or, you know, parents and how to deal with family and everything else is included, and a lot of times it's not. It's almost as though the church might be included, but, and of course, the idea is the fact that, of course, church is a family. I'm like, wait a minute. No, you need to be careful when you say church is a family because we still have our families, right? I think you would almost call that theologically like a realized eschatology as though families don't exist anymore. Yeah, and we have a name for that. It's called cults. They say, oh, we don't need families anymore. Now, this is what I call just sloppy theology, right? We know God's the Father, and, and to some degree, you know, we're all God's children, but there's just room in the Bible for our families. Mm. They still exist. Even with baptism and, of course, you know, baptizing to one family, it still exists. Mm. We've said, oh, this doesn't really matter. Why? Because we thought so individualistically that family, didn't, there was no place for it. Mm. And I think what ended up happening at all was that if you emphasize family, it almost sounds like conservative values in a sense, right? And not recognizing the fact that our families look so many different ways. But nevertheless... Mm. We have to figure out what do we do with this category that we need so desperately. And the Bible talks a lot about, mm. right? So that's, that's the issue. You have these, all these discipleship books that we use, 
and they don't mention it and we are seriously underserved mm. so given that lack of resources the whole kind of decentering of family in our at least u.s protestant curriculum this is a huge topic and so there's no way we can exhaust it in this episode but what in your opinion lies at the heart of what we need to pay attention to when we think about family when we think about parents when we think about children uh, what is it that that we really need to think about I think one way of thinking about it, because obviously, once again, we're not being ex- exhaustive here. Just one way of thinking about it is the fact that we live with these scripts, these, na- these narrative scripts that we have, and, and they control our lives. They run our lives, actually, right? Th- I realized this when I first got married, right? You have what you call consider to be what a normal husband does and what a normal wife does. Mm. And then you quickly realize the fact that what you thought was normal and universal is not universal. <laughs> this is what you thought, this is how your family was, this, that's not how it was other people, right? And then you start realizing, wait a minute, these values are so deeply entrenched. When I first got married, I told my wife that, oh, I'm the millennial man, I'm gonna cook and do everything. And you know what I kept doing after a while? I said, okay, okay, that's what I told her before I got married. After we got married, I told her, and she was like, well, you're not cooking? And I said, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help. And she said, wait a minute, that's not what you said. You said you're gonna cook, and I said, well, but you're the wife. Wait a minute here. That's not what you said when we first got, when we, we were dating, right? When we were, we were engaged. And then I realized these scripts about how families function are so deeply entrenched in me. And they're not, re- they didn't come from what I saw around me, like these TV shows. They came from what I saw in my family mm. every single day. Mm. So we live with these scripts in our own mind and worldview. They're normative until we bump into someone with a different script, uh, a different story, a different narrative. So how do we learn what our scripts are, what our narratives are? How do we do this? What does that look like? I think for me, there's a really helpful tool that I've used in the past and a lot of therapists use to call genograms. They're basically like annotated family trees. And you just start outlining your, your family. Mm-hmm. In, in your family life, what you don't know can seriously hurt you. There's like some family secret. I mean, family secrets, it's like an Asian American thing, right? <laughs> or Asian thing, family secrets. And you know all those things. Impact how your family, how parents talk to you, how your aunts treat you, all these different things, right? You need to know that. Mm-hmm. You need to know what the scandal is and why your parents act weird about a certain uncle or whatever. Why? Because that impacts how you think about everything. That's the water in which you were, you were raised. Mm. You, you soaked all that stuff up and you were raised that way. So if your family has this funky thing with, with, with money, money, that might go on for generations, by the way. It might be the fact that great-grandmother had some crazy thing with money, and now it's become a family thing, and it continues on. That thing, that kind of thing, and all those family stories, you have to find a way to know. You might be able to get it from, I don't know, there's multiple ways, right? But I think trying to figure that out is one of the important tasks, I think, of our lives. As you mentioned, what comes to mind is kind of the therapeutic relationship or therapy. Can you speak to a little bit about why that might be helpful? Well, let me just first say that I've gotten therapy. My wife's gotten therapy. I am a huge fan of therapy. I think... Every pastor should get therapy. Every, every person should get therapy at some point, right? And I think, well, especially, I think every pastor should get therapy and talk very openly about it, right? Because you don't, and therapy is not magic, right? I think therapists will tell you, it's not magic. And nor does it solve everything, 
right? Because we would need Jesus, right? If, if therapy solved everything. It's not true, but it serves a particular function. Uh, I think the function it serves is making sure that you, you, your other lies you tell yourself get exposed. I think that's basically a way of thinking about therapy. Mm-hmm. Like all your BS, a good therapist would be able to you know, call you on that and be like, well, let's talk more about that, right? Mm-hmm. Very gently and subversively. And you're kind of talking along and saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this, but you know what? What I just said is true. I don't really believe that. I don't really believe the fact that I'm a, ter- you know, a good person. I feel terrible about myself or whatever, right? Exposing those things. Uh, and that's actually very different than like pastoral counseling because mm-hmm. sometimes our, our spiritual, religious kind of uh, uh, overtones or, or frameworks encourage us to lie to ourselves, encourage us to hide the truth. And that's why, I mean, having a, you know, we have a school of psychology over here at Fuller. I, I, I just, that's one of the reasons why I love Fuller. I think psychology is so important. And a lot of those people who graduate from school of Fuller's school of psychology, they're not Christian therapists. They're therapists. But they're not going to talk about all their faith because, once again, sometimes all that stuff gets in the way and you don't want that. Mm-hmm. You want to figure out what are the lies you kind of live with and allow your, yourself to confront them. So I know this is obvious to our listeners, but the question that we are attempting to address is like, you know, what do we do with our parents? And, and yet what we have ended up talking about is how do we really deal with us, with ourselves and our scripts, our narratives. Um, I, too, have had uh, at least a, a few very long-term bouts with with therapy um, and I know that my initial time that I had therapy I went in because I was trying to deal with my own parents and discovered that um, what I could really control or change was me when we think about our narratives and you talk about therapy uh, you talk about other ways that kind of unstick us and open us up to growth once we kind of realize the lies we've been telling ourselves the ways that we cope with our pain how do we begin to rewrite the narrative so that we can be healthier people and thrive yeah i mean the first thing is to realize the fact that the script is living itself through you so when you see that you realize oh and if you don't know the fact that script is doing this thing, you're gonna then you're just gonna the script will just live itself out to you and then that be it, right? But the first step is to figure out, oh my gosh, I'm actually this this belief is so deeply entrenched in how I think about these things that it comes out on a regular basis in terms of how I interact with my dad or my my wife or my spouse or whatever or my kids. And so you have to first of all identify what that is. I think there's so many lies that we 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 live with, and some of the lies I think. Uh, some of the half-truth we believe in because we have to survive. Mm. I mean, you know, the Asian-American community has so much trauma. There's so much trauma because of race, because of migration. Uh, there's so much trauma there. And sometimes you just have to survive. Mm. And I think God kind of gives us a way to uh, survive. by just And this is kind of neurological for everybody, right? We just, we forget certain things. Mm. We're like, I, and, and then we help us survive. And thank God for that, right? We don't remember everything, thank God. Sure. That's going to help you survive but it will not help you thrive. You will be stuck. You will be stuck with uh, kind of a 10-year-old tools, even when you're 40, mm. still using the same tools to survive. Mm. Right? And they're like, no, no, you, you're a grown man mm. now. You have more tools. Mm. Right? You have to revisit that narrative and be like, I don't need this anymore. Mm. And, and so how do you bring up the narratives? How do you allow God to transform the narratives? How do you allow the truth to transform and change and rewrite those narratives? One of the things I love about marriage, new, you know, weddings is the fact that here's, 
literally like kind of a new creation, right? You, you're actually starting, this is an opportunity to start a new family, to start new traditions, new roles, new dynamics. Mm -hmm. I think it's incredibly hopeful event, but of course, you know, you have all the baggage as well. So how do you fully own those things in, in such a way so that you can actually move forward? Mm -hmm. Not denying them, not just barely surviving. That's great. So Daniel, I want to bring us back to our original question, and that is, what do we do with our parents? We've talked a lot about scripts and rewriting scripts, which is really about us and um, dealing with ourselves. But how does this, in the end, relate back to how do we interact, have a relationship with our parents? I think the first thing is, how do you see them as real people? I remember when I, you know, gotten older, like, like 10 years ago or something, I realized that my mother and my father, they were real people. Mm. <laughs> Big revelation, right? Oh my gosh, they have their own failures, they have their own... And because I always thought that they're, they were just parents. I think once you realize the fact that they're people with their own limitations, with, with, the, with their own just deep pains, this is just dealing with... their with, own histories and nerves, right? yeah. Yeah, and then it changes how you think about them. So that's the thing, and it's harder obviously when you're younger because you're just at their mercy, but to really see them as full, like three-dimensional people and not just parents. I think that's basically where you start. And what does that allow you to do, to see you know, our parents, our mothers and fathers as real people? Like what, what does that do for us? My, my father was, when I was growing up, he was abusive, right? So this long history, kind of just abusive father, right? So, and there's no excuse for that. But what I realized is that over the, over the years, I've come to uh, really understand him as a father. Like, I think I understand him a lot more. I'm, I'm a lot more sympathetic. Mm. You know, my father's passed away, you know, and, uh, but I would say my relationship with my father keeps on changing. As I enter different kind of roles and stages of my life, I, I understand, <laughs> I just have a lot more sympathy. I say, wow, no, that must have been hard. Now, you didn't, you didn't take it very well, right? Mm. It didn't come out very well, but I, I understand why that was hard. Mm. Just seeing his humanity in the midst of that. And now, Two caveats. One caveat is the fact that there are some parents, like well, even my parents at some point, right? Even in his humanity, there are parents that are abusive. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to just forgive and just hang out with them. I mean, you have to figure out what's the wisest thing to do. What, what is the wisest thing to do in terms of kind of navigating this thing? And so what I'm saying is you might not necessarily like hang out with them or you might, you might not even have a relationship with them. And sometimes that's, that's the wisest thing to do given where you are. Mm. The other point is, if you do kind of cut them off, there is a cost to that as well, right? They can still function in your life in a way. So how do you think about those things? Uh, fundamentally, how you see them as human beings and how you recognize the fact that that humanity can really, really vary, right? And making those decisions is, is a very difficult decision. I don't think it's a simple thing of like, oh, we just love them no matter what, right? I mean, there are some people, like I said, that are abusive. I know some of our listeners are parents themselves, mothers and fathers. And so what are some of the things that we should think about as we parent, knowing that how we've been parented as children, we always will remain children, and yet being in this other role as, as parents ourselves, what, what are some of the takeaways that we should consider? Uh, I think when, when we think about parenting, we should, we should recognize the fact that we are parenting ourselves and also the fact that we shouldn't parent ourselves. This is what I mean. Uh, we, to some degree, I think we are, we are reliving our childhood. 
And that's why sometimes if you had a rough patch in a particular stage of your life, mm -hmm. you're gonna have a hard time parenting your kid at that stage because mm -hmm. you don't, you don't, you have all the things, right? It's a continuum that you, you're recalling your memory as you live your life. So, um, and of course, we are reparenting ourselves because we are going through our own experience of being parented, right? Mm -hmm. And that can be really like a healing experience. You realize, oh my gosh, I'm giving my kid this great kind of secure environment whereas I didn't have one. The only thing is, and that can be a good thing, but the only thing is if you, if, you, if you are blind to the fact that this is what's happening in you, you can literally think that that kid is you. Well, I didn't have this thing. I'm giving this to you. You should be grateful. The kid's like, I don't want this thing. Mm -hmm. This is not my issue. This is your issue. That's now when you the, live your life vicariously through your child. Right. <laughs> to some degree, we're, we're doing this already. How do you really see this kid, once again, as a full human being? Mm -hmm. So it's like our parents, right? As a full human being. They're not just parents. And this kid is not just a kid. It's a full human, full human being, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a lot of influence, but you have to recognize the fact they're just not a reflection of you. How do you do that? That's really hard to do, I think. And how do you not react because you have your issues and how you've experienced whatever trauma or whatever? Mm -hmm. You're going to dump this on your kid if you haven't worked with that. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife is a parent educator. And one of the biggest things that we, we talk about is if you haven't worked through your own childhood, you're gonna dump it on your kid. It's gonna come out. Like, I guarantee it, it's gonna come out, right? And it doesn't matter if you're being totally reactive. Oh, my, my parents are so strict, I'm gonna be so whatever. Well, once again, that's just a reaction. And that can be just as destructive. And I think, so once again, how do you work through this thing? And how do you let the gospel transform our, how we were parented and how we, how we, how we experienced it in a sense? Daniel, as we wrap up this episode, I want to kind of take us back to the beginning of our conversation today. And we mentioned how family life and family theology is missing or absent from our systematic theology courses. And so I was wondering how you think about what Asian Americans might be able to offer to our Christian thinking, our Christian life, to the church. Yeah, I think uh, the first thing is to really recognize the fact that, you know, there are all these different cultural dimensions that are, that are a real gift. Even though sometimes there's so much pain that comes out of it, it can be a real gift, right? Asian Americans, and there are a lot of people, right? There are Hispanics, and there are other, you know, Africans, and there are other communities that really take community and family really seriously. And I think uh, this is a, a contribution that we can make. We can ask these questions. And, you know, what, what's the contribution? How do we make contributions? Well, we ask questions, we we ask for more clarification. We ask for more depth of articulation of this area. And we can do that. I think that's a gift that we can have. And also, we, I think in our dynamics of how church works and our families work, as we work through what, how the gospel can, can transform these things, it can really be a gift for everybody and not to see it as, a, as kind of a random, I don't know, ghetto Asian American thing that sometimes we can kind of think about ourselves as, I think. Well, Daniel, I want to thank you for another episode, and um, I really think what you've said today is really beautiful. And I, I, I this kind of ties in ties up for me um, many of the episodes that have come before that we need to take seriously our pain and our trauma, our challenges. That this is really the fervent soil for understanding ourselves and our theology that uh, we don't need to simply wallow in our dysfunction, but to see that as we face and try to find truth in our 
um, in our pain that God can use that to, to bring about a gift and an offering for the whole church. I want to invite our listeners to, uh, to join us again next time as we look at dynamics of representation. We live in a time where we're beginning to see more people of color on television and movies. We're beginning to see Asian American faces more uh, on the big screen. And the question we want to ask is, does it really matter? I mean, should we be fighting for representation? And what does that mean, really? And so I hope that you come back and, and join us for that episode. And uh, as we do each week, Daniel, I just want to ask uh, if you would give a blessing or encouragement to, to those of us who you know, have really wrestled with our relationship with our parents. And maybe we're parents ourselves, and we are really wrestling with how we might be passing on hurtful things to our children. What, just can you leave us with an encouragement? Uh, I think the word is that our, our healing and wholeness is always through the pain. We just can't avoid these things. We can't avoid uh, our past um, disappointments and that's some things that we or, or hurts and pains and traumas. It's always through that and finding the fact that God's with us uh, and through it all. Uh, that's really that's really where the healing will come. We're creating a community here at Centering, so we invite you to join the conversation by sending us your comments and questions at centeringpodcast at gmail.com or visit our website at centered.today for a list of shows and other resources. This episode of Centering the Podcast on Asian American Christianity is produced by Jason Chu. Editing is by Carl Cathedral with music by Mark Redito. I'm your host, Kevin Doy. Above all else, we want to remind you that God embraces all of who you are. <laughs>